evening and welcome to the JRsNet podcast. Uh, this is episode 204. Uh, my name is John McCallum. Um, this is the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans where the content is free. I'm hosting tonight, so needless to say, you wouldn't pay anyway. Um, there's a forum, there's articles, there's social media. JRsNet forums always worth going on. There's anonymous people there who call you all sorts of hideous names if you say something that slightly controversial, it's why I've been going on it for about 15 years. Um, and of course, it's a podcast, which is where we are tonight. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're a regular listener, uh, then it, it's good to have you back. Uh, I hope you'll stay for this show and then come back on Sunday when the proper people are presenting. Um, if you are a subscriber, um, please share us on social media, spread the word. Uh, it's always nice to get new people on. Um, I need to mention sponsors before I forget. Um, so, Forest Precision Engineering, uh, and to be fair, these guys do a good job of helping Frankie and us keep this place on the air. So if you are in a position to support them, please do. Um, they subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. They've been a big commercial sponsor of Rangers for many years, uh, and we are really pleased that they are backing our pod. You can visit them at forestprecisioneng.com. Um, uh, they also have the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a stunning hospitality area uh, within the main stand. And if you would like to book that or would like some more information on that, email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Right, that was a bit I didn't want to mess up. Um, on with the show. Uh, so I'm joined tonight by, uh, I was just saying beforehand, no longer uh, a, a young one or a newbie, but but somebody now who's been with us for a couple of seasons. I'm joined with by Doogie tonight. Doogie, how are you tonight? Have you had a, a reasonable week? What's been the highlight of the week for you? Good evening, John. Can you hear me okay? Because there was a bit, wee bit of kind of background in my, my headphones. Good man. Okay. Um, I have had a terrible week. I am glad it's Friday. My youngest has chicken pox. So it's been great fun trying to balance childcare and work. So I am delighted it's Friday. Um, it's day five of chicken pox, which means that it's now beginning to get to the end. So I have sat down for the first time this week. I have got myself a beer and I'm ready to chat about Rangers. Great stuff, Dougie, great stuff. Yes, I remember the children going through the, the chicken pox phase. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? Um, you have my, my sympathies on that. Um, highlight of the week for me actually, was a meeting one one of my Rangers heroes for the first time. Uh, people might be surprised because he's, you know, he's a local guy, um, but I had I'd never actually met Ian Durant before. And I bumped into Ian Durant this week through work um, in a place I didn't expect to, to meet Ian Durant. Um, not in any way connected with football. Um, and it was, uh, it was one of these strange moments when uh, I was actually being introduced to a three-time Super Bowl winner um, who, who was an absolute physical giant of a man and uh, I, of course I had no idea who he was, I'd never heard of this guy before in my life despite the fact he's partly one of the most famous sportsmen in America um, and standing three or four people away from him I'm thinking I don't know who that big guy is but that's Ian Durant, <laughs> that's definitely Ian Durant <laughs> so I got to shake Ian Durant's hand so that was the highlight of the week for me, uh, I've never met oh, yeah. Ian Durant before I was a, 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 I was a, a big fan of Ian Durant when uh, when he first broke into the Rangers team. Um, oh. a good guy. Do you know, John? There's always these questions that you see on Twitter of what what past player would you like to have seen injury free? And obviously, the, the kind of obvious main ones is guys like Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo. 
But Ian Durant, from a Rangers perspective, always springs to mind. What could have been if it wasn't for Neil Simpson? I know, uh, and you're not wrong. Um, and he actually was wearing a he was wearing a, a, a kind of support. One of these kind of support bandages on his knee. I didn't notice that. Was he? It um, was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess he Johnson. He's was, was he borrowing like it from Callum McGregor? <laughs> no, no, that's not nice. All right, I'm going to move on. I'll move on now. Um, so. You know, it's been a tough week, too, again. I know you're particularly upset um, to at the loss to Liverpool, but let's get let's put the Eurovision Song Contest behind us and, and talk about <laughs> the Champions League match um, that we, we we witnessed on on Tuesday. So we'll start on that, and we'll go through and we'll talk about some Mirren. Um So look, let, let's let's start at the beginning, uh, the starting lineup. Um, we we started with a back five, which is not obviously um, Gio's preferred way of playing. Um, you know, were you surprised at that? Was that something that you had seen coming? Um, it's not like um, it's not like Rangers to go with a back five. Um, did it surprise you? And, and overall, did you feel it worked? Um, no, it didn't surprise me actually. Um, I've seen Gio deploy the back five a couple of times in Europe last season, the Europa League. Um, so I think formation was probably the right formation. And we'll come on and talk about the, the, the difference in standards in a moment. I think when you're going to Anfield, you're playing against Liverpool, you know how they're going to play. Um, you need to keep it tight at the back. And I felt that the five at the back allows us to do that. Um, there was a couple of um, surprises in, in the team. when I um, So I, I, I predicted five at the back. But I predicted Lundstrom being one of the, the, the back three centre-backs alongside Bolton and Davies. Um, but I think Leon King came in um, he's 18 he's done a great job Leon King um, for, a, for a young lad coming into such a big occasion um, but I did expect Lundstrom in the, in, in, in the back five um, other than that I think I think other players in the team did surprise me as well um, I think Tillman's a big surprise for me I'm a big fan of Tillman but I think it's very clear now that he's not a wide player I think he needs to be playing through the middle, behind the striker, as his as, um, as best used position so far. Um, but I don't think it was a game for Tillman either, not just because uh, I don't think he's suited to that right-hand side. Um, I think I think Liverpool Anfield required workers and grafters and a bit of physicality. And I think Tillman still got to learn that. Um, personally, when I was kind of designing my team, I had Arfield in that position. And I know that Arfield wasn't brilliant against Hearts. I think he covered a lot of ground um, against Hearts. He, he got himself into the right positions, but his, his final ball was was really poor. Um, and I think that's probably a huge factor why he didn't start. But I had Arfield for his his engine. Um, for me, beside Lundstrom, when when Lundstrom was selected as centre mid, I had Ryan Jack. Um, it's probably not a surprise that Stephen Davis has came in because we know how good Stephen Davis is. But I think Stephen Davis looked his age um, and. I know we'll come on and talk about the predictions for the for the lineup against St Mirren. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we um, have one eye on Liverpool, either in a start of 11 or um, with how we use the subs. And personally, looking ahead to Liverpool again, I think Ryan Jack needs to start. I think we need we need Ryan Jack um, on the pitch from the start, hopefully. Um, but yeah, they, they, they were the three main surprises for me from the team, but I wasn't surprised by the formation. I mean, I assumed when I saw the back five that the, you know, obviously we were trying to keep it tight. You know, a Liverpool, Liverpool at times looked like they were playing a, a two-two-six, 
Um, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're all. It's all attack. They've got such such wonderful attacking players. Um, I, and I can understand why we know we wanted to keep it tight with, with you know, I think fa- I think it's fair to call Davis and, and, and Lundstrom more defensively minded midfielders um, and the back five. But I assume when I saw the back five that part of the reason for playing that was to try and let um, Barisic and Tavernier get forward. Um, Barisic did it a bit, although, you know, I felt, you know, he kind of got two thirds of the way forward and then would turn around and come back again. Tavernier barely got out of his own half. Um, I, and I, I don't know if that was because tactically Liverpool shot us down or if he just was having a bad game. What, what do you think? Um, I think he had a bad game for a start. I think there was quite a few players that were particularly poor. Um, I've touched on Tillman. I've mentioned the fact that he's that he was played at a position. Um, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of perspective needed about the Liverpool game and, and focusing on Tillman for a second. Um, I don't think we'd be in the Champions League had it not been for Malik Tillman for his importance in both in USG and in PSV. Um, I think he's still a young player and he's he's developing. I think when it comes to guys like Tav, though, he's your captain, he's your experienced player. For me, the ball looked like a hot potato with quite a few of our players and, and Tav was one of them. He didn't have a good game and it's unfortunate because he's such a key player for us. Lundstrom was another one that didn't have a, a good game. Um, but in terms of um, the fullbacks and, and going forward, I think that was largely how attacking Liverpool were. Klopp, Klopp mentioned post-match that he threw a curveball with his with his formation, and I think he assumed that we would go five at the back and to combat our defensive structure. He went with four aerial mm-hmm. players. Uh, I think so the player how much uh, forward. Because you remember Wallace, it's been in the last champion post. If embarrassed, they will only leave So I think. Yeah, I'm not sure if your a Wi-Fi's playing up a wee bit just now. You you've come over all Dalek-like for me there, and I'm not sure if that's just if that's just for me or if that's for for everyone. Um, so I'll give you a second just to, to maybe change your headphones there. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting what you were saying there about, um, you know, Klopp. Um, you think Klopp perhaps had a, a, an idea that, um, you know, we were going to play a back five. I mean, basically what you're saying is that you and, and Jurgen Klopp are on the same wavelength when it comes to, to picking Rangers teams. So don't think I didn't notice that. Um, but, you know, it, it, certainly I thought tactically, you know, Liverpool had clearly watched us and, and had a fair idea how we were going to play and, and did a pretty good job at nullifying that. Um you, t- you talked about King and Davies, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't think Davies would start. I was a little surprised that Davies started, just, just purely because I didn't think he was fit enough. Um, I didn't think he was match fit, so I was a little surprised he started. But, you know, not a great deal has been said about the fact that, that you, know, you know, Rangers played an 18-year-old who's come through the academy uh, at Anfield against, you know, the second-best team in, in Europe last season and probably the second-best team in the world. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I don't think a great deal has been said about that. Rangers have been criticised by some for releasing Balogun. Uh, Balogun was a player I liked. I thought he was a, a you know a, a reliable guy, a, you know a good defender, uh, and a guy who did a good job for us. Um, we've been criticised for releasing Balogun, but to be fair, I think it has allowed Leon King to get into the first team um, as injuries have have taken out two or three other centre halves. 
Um, so, so Leon King has got game time. So perhaps if we look at the bigger picture, um, that perhaps wasn't the worst idea in the world, letting Balogun go. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you thought King had come in and done well. Do you think he's done enough? Do you think he's, you know, once everybody's fit, do you think he keeps his place or do you think he drops back down again? Um, I think, first of all, Leon Balogun. Um, I'm delighted to see Leon Balogun leaving Rangers and doing well. Um, he's obviously playing for QPR under Michael Beal. Um, I wish him all the best. But I think the time was right to move Balogun on. Um, and I think it was right for two reasons. One, he wasn't a player that started every single week for us. We needed to bring somebody in who was going to start on a regular basis. Um, that's why we went and signed uh, Ben Davies from Liverpool. So Davies was actually, for me, Balogun's direct replacement. And we also brought Suter in as well to compete with centre-backs. I think it's um, there's a lot of talk about um, Balogun moved on. It's given Leon King the pathway. I think it's definitely helped. But I think it's circumstantial that Leon King was in the starting eleven at Anfield because of the injuries to Suter and, um, and the suspension to Sands, who I think if both were available, they probably would have started ahead of Leon King. But as with most young players, it's these kind of opportunities that they get their chance in the team. And what I've got to say about Leon King is he's taken it. He's, he's done very well since coming in. Whether he'll stay in the team is another, another story. I think when we look ahead to St Mirren, for example, I think we will play 4-4-2. Eh, sorry, 4-3-3. We'll play four at the back. I think Leon King will, will step aside. I think um, I think Davies will partner Golden at central defence. But when we're talking Liverpool coming to Ibrox next week, I'm not sure we'll go with five at the back again. Um, and therefore, I'm not sure Leon King will start, but it's got nothing to do with how he's performed. It's everything to do with the tactics that we are playing. Um, but we have a number of very good young players ready to step into that first team squad. Um, we've seen Charlie McCann um, get some game time in, in previous weeks, and obviously Alex Lowry um, was was hitting form against the B team before his his injury from Ali Love. Um, but it's good to hear that Alex Lowry is back in the first team. But I think it's still a couple of weeks away before he's ready to play because he needs to get himself up to speed. But Leon King's one of a good crop of young players who. I tell you what, they're going to save us a lot of money in the future because um, for me, that's that's what that's what Rangers are all about. It's about bringing players through the academy, giving them their opportunity. Um, Leon King will, will save us a lot of money, but I'm sure he will make us a lot of money in the future okay. as well. I think I think making us a lot of money is what the directors have in mind there, yeah. So and the reason I asked about whether you thought King would stay was obviously when we needed to make, a, well, when we chose to make a substitution, um, King stayed on. You know, and it was Davies who was withdrawn. Now, that possibly was to do with fatigue, the fact that Davies hasn't played a great deal of football, but obviously he's a more experienced of the two. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting as well. Um, did that. Look, let's move up the pitch a little bit. The other thing that kind of caught my eye and probably caught everybody's eye was the decision to start with Morelos instead of um, Kolek. Um, you know, Antonio's had a, 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 an amazing start to the season. I think we were all pleased when we signed him, um, but we very much saw him as the third choice striker. Um, you know, you know, when fit, we expect Morelos and Riff to be ahead of him. Um, and, you know, he was there, uh, you know, to come in for when Morelos was injured or suspended, most probably. Um, and, and he would be on the bench and come on for that difficult game against Motherwell when we need that goal. And of course, it's turned out that, that what we've signed as a guy who'll touch the ball twice and score two goals and not do a great deal else. He's the Croatian, um, you know, I, I don't know. I was going to say he was a Croatian um, version of, of uh, 
the Erling Haaland. Which is probably pushing it a little bit, you know. It, it's probably pushing it a little bit. But you know, he's um, you know not doing a great deal elsewhere. But but you know, scoring goals, which is important. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit more uh, later in the program. But did it surprise you that we started with Morelos? Um, I think I'll go for the Croatian Chris Boyd. Um, that's my. That's my uh, comparison. comparison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did it surprise me? No, it didn't. I think Antonio Antonio Cholak is a player that's actually making me um, eat my words a little bit because I was a bit like you. I thought he was coming in um, (laughs) third, if not second, um, choice striker. And I wasn't sure why we were paying over £2 million for a guy at the kind of latter end of his career um, who's never played in British football and I had concerns about him settling in. Antonio Cholak has hit the ground running and um, one of my mates actually asked me the other day of, he's the most natural goal scorer since and we're trying to decide who's who's the best finisher since and um, we collectively kind of mentioned Marco Negri that um, he's a player that because Chris Boyd although Chris Boyd was was a top a, a, you know a good goal scorer for us he not he wasn't necessarily a brilliant finisher he was just always in the right place at the right time and um, he got a lot of chances, which is which is always a skill in itself. But from a finishing perspective, when you look at the Hearts game, the two finishes from Cholak, the header, and then the the shot from the side, they're, they're brilliant finishes. Um, but I think that's what Cholak is. I think he is a penalty box striker. He's a player that's going to play in certain games that you're dominating possession, creating chances. And I don't think that's Anfield. I can already hear RFC 56 in my ear right now when I say I think the Anfield game was um, was perfect for Morelos, I think when you go away to tough grounds like Anfield against top opposition, you need a wee bit more than a penalty box striker. And there was a crazy stat that, that I was told about Chris Boyd not that long ago, actually. Um, and I'm going to get this massively wrong, but I think... Um, Don't worry about that. Accuracy is never going to be the <laughs> show. Well, I think when Chris Boyd was at Rangers, we played 12 Champions League games. Chris Boyd only played one of them. And I think that's that, that that's similar to Cholak for me. Is, um, he's a player that's going to suit a lot of games in Scottish football, but Cody Anfield's not one of them. Um, I think that's what it suits Morelos. I think we needed someone who was going to chase the ball down, bully defenders, hold the ball up, win his free kicks and get us up the park. Um, historically, that's Morelos' game. Um, but we know he's just returning from a long-term injury and it wasn't his best performance. I think we need to get Morelos up to speed um, to make the impact in these kind of games. But I think he was still the right choice to start. I think he needs to get he needs to get the minutes to get himself fit. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of pass marks um, and, and who played well, you know, for me, McGregor and and uh, you know, McGregor had a great game. Um, Goldson, I felt, had a good game. Uh, anyone else get pass marks for you? Just King. Just Leon King. Um, I think you're right to call it Golden. He gets a lot of stick from, from us as supporters. Um, but there's a lot of things that go unnoticed about Golden at times. Um, I always talk about player conditioning. Golden's a player that you can rely on. I'm going to touch wood here because I'm going to jinx it. But he's, he's, he's a player that you can rely on to, to play consistently. Um, you know, he's not a player that misses a lot of games. Um, but I think his leadership and his communication is brilliant at the back as well. But it was good to see him have a good game because, um, let's be honest, the Champions League probably the main reason why he decided to stay in the summer. Yeah. Um, but you've mentioned McGregor. We were last in the podcast together after the Celtic game and we spoke in depth about John McLaughlin. And I think the reason why, you know, if you look at our Champions League um, game so far, we could beat 4-0, then 3-0, then 2-0. 
I think the reason why it was only 2-0 against Liverpool was Alan McGregor. I think even at 40 years of age, he is, he's still showing that he is a, a very, very good goalkeeper, particularly shot-stopping. That's his, that's his game. Um, but first half especially, he probably stopped about four goals in the first half, I think. Um, Darwin Nunes was, was going home that night and um, seeing, seeing Alan McGregor in his sleep and having nightmares. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a brilliant performance from McGregor, but I think, I think he holds the jersey now. I think he's proven in the last games when he's came in that he is still a top goalkeeper and he will still step up in those moments. And um, I don't think that's what John McLaughlin's capable of. I think he's a steady keeper, but I don't, I don't think he's capable of the moments that, that McGregor, McGregor can. I think for me, he was the standout man of the match. You, you, you've jumped ahead a little bit in my um, in, in my agenda, but but on that, I mean, I, I was going to talk to you about that later if you thought that McGregor was now number one, because obviously we gave McCrory, um, we gave McCrory a, a new contract what, yesterday or, or, or a Wednesday, certainly very recently. Um, and I'm not sure if that came as a surprise to a lot of us. Um, it, it certainly came to, as a surprise to a couple of people I know who watch I um, have watched quite a lot of, of B-team uh, and development football. Um, one in particular who said that, you know, at, at 15, McCrory looked like he was going to be the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, it, you know, everybody wanted to sign him. He just looked like an outstanding prospect. And, um, you know, when he went to, I think it was Motherwell, he or Livingston, he went to Motherwell, he went to, Livingston. Livingston. He, went to yeah. one of was, he, he went to one of them and it just didn't work. You know, he just didn't. He didn't make it. He didn't. He struggled to get in the to make the number one spot his own. Um, you know, he didn't have the season. I think that everybody thought he was going to have. And of course, you know, he's now um, not out alone. Um, he's now trying to get past McGregor and McLaughlin. And you have to say, you know, if you're struggling to get past a forty-year-old and and a, and, a McLaughlin, and a McLaughlin, a player who has been, you know, second choice for most of his career, then you do wonder what the thinking there was. Um, and, and I, I don't know if they've, they've given him a contract because they don't feel that the keepers behind them are ready to step up, um, or whether they do genuinely think that, that he's there. But like you, I did wonder whether, whether Alan McGregor now has the number one jersey again. McLaughlin was on the bench against Liverpool, so you have to assume he's fit. Um, that being the case, um, you know, the goalkeepers, the goalkeeper jersey stayed with McGregor. Um, he, uh, he, you know, he had a very good game against Liverpool. I felt. Uh, I don't think you could blame him for the free kick um, for not getting to that. And you certainly can't blame him for the penalty. So uh, I'm not really sure what more he could do. So, do you think McGregor is back to being our number one again? And, and how do you feel about that? I do. Yeah, I, I, I instantly feel more comfortable with Alan McGregor in goals. Um, I really do. It's funny you just mentioned the free kick there because when I was sitting up, I watched the game in the living room. When, when, the, when the free kick hit the back of the net, I actually, first instinct, thought McGregor should be getting across to that. He's too slow, he's old, he's, he should be getting across to that. And then you watch the replay of it and you think, nah, that's the sweetest free kick that, that's been hit. And it's, it's one of those kind of hit ropes where um, nine times out of ten, that sails over the bar or hits the wall. It's just that one in ten that's just found the postage stamp and McGregor's got no chance. But I think he holds a jersey. Um, I do. I was going to say until he makes a mistake, but I think that's unfair. I think he holds a jersey um, until 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 there's a moment where um, Gio feels that he, he can no longer play. Um, but he went through a period last season in the league particularly where you thought, I wish he retired in the summer. Um, he's played he's played a, a wee bit too long, but he's, he's came back in and he's been superb for us. Um, and as I say, I feel much more comfortable. I think it's to do with communication. 
Um, he's he's a type of guy that that really inspires confidence um, around him. So delighted to see McGregor back. Delighted to see him doing well. Um, on the McCrory subject, though, um, a couple of things. So um, he had a loan spell in the Championship a couple of years ago. He was he was good in the Championship. He then got his move up to Livingston. I think he joined Livingston in, in the January because um, he had a, a, a. I was going to say Queen of the South. Um, he had a good six months in the Championship. Of South, yeah, I think he was at Queen of the South. Yeah, he then got to to Livy. He had a good six months at Livy. They extended um, they extended him for another year, but at the same time they, they signed the boy Striek. Um, expecting McCrory to be number one and, and unfortunately for Robbie the boys react turned out to be a very good goalkeeper and, and kept him out um, I'm not sure that's a, a poor reflection on, on McCrory because when you're in charge of a club and you've got a player that's came in and is your player I think you'll always favour your player over a lone player when, when he seems to be doing well um, and I think that's what happened at Living it was unfortunate because at that age you want him to be playing, be playing regular um, but the, the there's two stats about Robin McCrory, which I just find absolutely hilarious. Um, the first one is that he's the second of the McCrory brothers to actually play in goals. <laughs> the first one being Ross, um, who, who, who of course was an outfield player. Uh-huh. And, and, and the second one was when he was away in international duty for Scotland there. Um, he's the first ever player in Scottish history to be booked before getting a cap. Um, so the, the, All right, there's, okay. That's a stat. There's That's a, a nice Robert one. McCrory stats. Um, okay. Yeah, let's hope we have more and better stats to <laughs> over the coming few seasons. Oh, let's um, hope so. But see, see on McCrory though, because um, I've, I've got a friend in common with, with Robbie McCrory and um, I actually knew he was going to sign a new contract. So it didn't come as a surprise to me when he did sign his new contract. Um, there's a lot of people assuming that Robbie McCrory is going to be number one next year um, McGregor will retire McLaughlin has proved he's not good enough McCrory will be number one I still don't think Robbie McCrory is number one I think Robbie McCrory is there to challenge for number one and if he gets his chance a bit like Leon King um, he might keep the jersey but I think he's being kept on for one main reason and it comes down to European squad registration yeah. Um, one of the things for Robbie McCrory is he's, he's academy trained and he is he's trained within domestic football um, believe it or not, John McLaughlin, despite being a Scottish internationalist, does not qualify for that because he actually came through the English lower leagues. Yeah, I was so, going to say, he just has to open his mouth for you to understand why he doesn't qualify for that. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Robin McCrory's been kept on to be number two next season. Um, where that leaves um, John yeah. McLaughlin? Who is number two? Is, two is is the question. Yeah. 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 I, I, personally, I think McGregor might retire this year. Um, he can only play so long um, somebody needs to tell that to Gianluigi Buffon um, but I think McLaughlin is probably not taking his chance and what I'd like to see in the summer is us go out and sign a, a goalkeeper and, and McGrory, McGrory be back up to a new goalie Interesting, interesting Okay, let, let's kind of wrap up the Liverpool side of things um, I was doing a wee bit of reading earlier in the week um, coming on to this so in 1992 right, so 30 years ago um Liverpool's wage bill was around £8 million a year, and it was the highest in the UK. Okay, and it was interesting because they, they, their, their team, um, their, you know, Liverpool had had, 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 you know, had had the best team in the world um, at, at different times in the 70s and 80s. They were, you know, a tremendous football team and a tremendous football club. Um, but their wage bill was around £8 million. And, and at that same time, Rangers' wage bill 
was actually quite close to £7 million and, and was reportedly the third highest in the UK after Liverpool and Manchester United. Okay, The Athletic reported that Liverpool's current wage bill is over £314 million a year. Okay, which you know is such an astronomical number that it's actually kind of hard to kind of kind of kind of picture that amount of money. Rangers' wage bill is around forty-seven million pounds a year. You know, so the gulf between the two clubs now is is so big. And and you know, I, I was I was thinking about it there, and, and Liverpool in the summer signed Ben Doak, who you know apparently was is you know was Celtic's. Um, most exciting prospect, and I've seen Ben Doak play a couple of times for for Scotland age group teams, and and he is a player. You know, I have to say I was delighted that he left Celtic because he certainly looked a player at, at that level, uh, and playing amongst amongst you know people his own age, he he, he really did look like quite a player. Uh, and they also signed um, the Aberdeen fullback as well, who was you know, who was Aberdeen's best player. Now they've signed both those players further, you know, reserves and youth team. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the boy, is it Ramsey? Is that his name? Calvin Ramsey? Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's not going in there. I mean, he's not going in that Liverpool first team. You know, not for a while anyway. So, you know, they're signing players of, of that kind of calibre as, as you know, as mibbies. You know, we'll sign this guy because you never know. It's no gamble for us. Yeah. And it, and it really underlines the, the gulf between... You know, Rangers and, and Liverpool just now. And I'm using that. There's obviously more than just Liverpool, but between Rangers and Liverpool just now. And it, and it begs the question, having watched us the other night, having seen us in the Champions League this week, having heard what some of the players are saying and what the manager's saying, is there any way that we can compete with Liverpool? Any, any way at all? What, what do you think? Um, I think the first thing is that's why I hate Sky Sports, because there shouldn't be such a gulf in, in the quality of... of um, of these teams and the, the, the value of these teams and the wages that they pay. But there is, and actually that's not just England to Scotland, that's England to the rest of the world because there's just so much money in, in English football now that they can go and, you know, as you said, they can go and pick out players from, from the first teams of, 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 uh, of clubs across, across Europe and just put them into reserve teams and allow them to develop or loan them out. Um, with no intention of playing them that season, just, just for development to see if they'll turn out and turn out to be good. And if they don't, they'll just write it off because they've got so much money they can they can afford that risk. Um, so English football is just on another league to, to Scottish football, and it's it's sad. Um, Liverpool, I can excuse because they're a massive historic club. Some of the other clubs at the bottom, you know, you look at Bournemouth, for example. You know, they play in an eleven thousand seater stadium, but yet they can still afford. You know, they could probably um, sell one player that could fund the entire Rangers starting eleven, as is the you know the value of players down south. So that's incredible. Um, there is such a mass, massive financial gulf. There's also a massive financial gulf just when Rangers joined the Champions League. Um, we joined as a pot four team. I think particularly when you look at our group, you know, you've got Ajax, who we all know the quality of Ajax. Um, I think they're top of the Dutch league again. Liverpool aren't having a brilliant league, but they, you know, they're Champions League uh, finalists last season. Um, they've still got a world-class team. And you've got Napoli just now that are sitting top of the Serie A and probably the surprise of the, the league, but but doing brilliantly. Yeah, um, what a result th- they had during the week. Yeah, uh, and I think, I think on that, I think genuinely that shows um, how well we competed with, with Napoli when they came to Ibrox. Because yeah. until the sending off, we gave them a damn good game. No, but we're, I think, we're definitely going toe-to-toe with them up until that sending off. 
we were. Um, but I think in terms of the financial golf and how we can compete, um, I think you look to Club Bruges as your inspiration. There was a lot of comparisons to, to Bruges um, after after we got beat against um, Liverpool because Club Bruges beat Atletico Madrid 2-0. And a lot of people look at the Belgian league similar to the Scottish league and think we are on a very similar playing field and think that we should be on a similar level to Club Bruges. I think there's one reason why Club Bruges um, were able to compete in the Champions League. They're sitting top of their group right now, which does consist of Atletico Madrid. And the reason for that is they've, they've qualified for the Champions League four out of the last five seasons. So they've had Champions League money consistently for four years. That allowed them to spend £50 million this summer on new players. That's the difference, John. I've seen a lot of people talking about, um, you know, I miss Europa League Thursdays, bring back Europa League Thursdays. And you just need to look at the, the two teams that we knocked out to get to the Champions League. USG uh, beat Braga to go top of the league of, of their group. PSV, um, they won 5-1 against FC Zurich. They're sitting second behind Arsenal in their group with Arsenal coming up next. I think that's a gulf just now between the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, I think I think it's a bit of reality, reality check for a lot of supporters that it is such a massive gulf. We could have played in the Europa League and we could have had moments like USG and PSV are having right now, but it's good fun to watch. We leave happy. Um, we talk about what a good game it was and don't get me wrong, the Europa League run last season is the best I've ever experienced as a, as a Rangers fan but there's only one way we are going to improve, there's only one way that we are going to be able to compete at this level and that's to qualify for the Champions League consistently, we had to get there this season this, this season was almost a launch pad, we had to be in it this season, get the money take a few hidings in, along the way, get knocked out it's, it, it's for me third place is still up for grabs I've not ruled out third place um, anything can happen uh, on Wednesday night against Liverpool get 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 teams back to Ibrox and, and, and it's a different story um, but even if we do finish fourth and we go out we've we've benefited from the Champions League money this season the focus then is qualifying for the Champions League again next season the season after that and what you're hoping there is you don't need to sell your best players because you've got the Champions League finances and you can invest in the playing squad that's the only way we are going to be able to compete and, and obviously spending the money wisely. We need to make sure that when we're getting the money from, from these, these competitions that we, we recruit well and that's another story altogether, isn't it? Well, it is indeed. It is indeed. Okay, right. Well, I mean, I think we're all interested to see what it's like at home. I think we're all expecting to play slightly differently at home. Um, the home crowd behind us, you never know. You never know. Anyway, look... Let me just have a quick chat with you uh, about St Mirren. But before I get to that, I just need to talk about one of our other sponsors, Zenith Coins. Um, so Zenith Coins are, are, are sponsored of Jersnet. They help Jersnet again. They help us put this together. Uh, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, they produce the official Rangers Club coin. Um, each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim and comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and a certificate of authenticity. Um, they're owned by many famous Rangers fans, such as Ali McCoy, Derek Johnston, Marvin Andrews, Tom Stoltman, um, and Gordon Ramsay. I don't know if Aaron Ramsay has one, but Gordon Ramsay has one. Uh, they all own the official Rangers club coin. Um, now, if you would like to get one, or if you'd like to know more information on one, and you know, Christmas is coming up, and uh, this could be the this could be the gift for uh, for the, 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 the that hard to be hard to buy for a person in your life. Um, you can find out more information at uh, www.zenithcoins.com, and there is a discount discount code 
um, which is GN10. GN10. So use that, and um, you're, you'll you'll definitely be pleased for it. Right, Saint Mirren. Um, so you know, it was after a, a sticky period for Rangers. Uh, the international break came, and I think we were all a little relieved. Uh, usually, I dread international breaks, but I think we were all kind of glad that one had come. Um, and, and it seemed to work. You know, I thought we were pretty good against um, Hearts. Obviously, they shot themselves in the foot. The sending off um, definitely, uh, definitely helped us. Um, but you know, we were two 0 up at that point and, uh, and and in control. Uh, and so, I don't think it would have necessarily changed the overall result. Um, so, I definitely returned to form last weekend. Um, just, just, just for reasons of showing off, I actually watched the Hearts game. Uh, with the, the Toronto Central Toronto Rangers Supporters Club. Um, now, I don't know if you've ever had the um, pleasure of watching Rangers at half past seven in the morning, um, but it's a, it was a different experience for me. I've never never had to do that before. Um, and um, on a more serious note, it was interesting for me because, you know, you, you see a lot of toys, you see a lot of it in social media, you see, hear it when you're talking with friends and things, a lot of folk, you know, complaining about, you know, who gets away tickets and who's going to get Champions League away tickets and, you know, Jers, uh, the, the, the um, what would you call it, the, the, the my Jers, you know, and, and, you know, getting loyalty and things like this. You know, th- there are guys in North America who, you know, get up at, at half past six on a Saturday morning, um, you know, drive across a, a, a very big city to, to stand in a bar uh, that's only selling coffee at that time of day and watch Rangers, you know. So there are different forms of loyalty um, and there are people doing that all across the world. And we should, we should never lose sight of the fact that, that you know, it is a big family. Uh, you know, I was made very welcome by complete strangers um, simply because I happened to be staying in a hotel three blocks away from them and I'd, I'd looked up where I might be able to see the game on, on the internet. So a big thank you to them for making me welcome. Um, so I watched the Rangers, Rangers Hearts game there um, and I, I did. I think we all felt it was a return to form. Um, St Mirren, you know, we're playing second against third for the second week running. Um, you know, being third in, in the SPFL is a slightly funny thing because you can win two games and find yourself third lose two games and find yourself third bottom. It's that kind of league. It's all very, very tight um, in that kind of middle section. But, you know, to be fair, um, after a really poor start to the season, they've, they've, some of them have turned it around. Um, they've only lost once now since early August. Uh, they've kept four clean sheets. They, they've beaten Celtic, um, and they are the only team this season to, to do that, the only domestic team this season to do it. Um, so they're sitting third and they must be full of confidence. Um, so I'm going to ask you to talk to me a little bit about St Martin because I wanna, what I want to know is, is this just simply, you know, they've got Curtis Main and Declan Gallagher in it. So are they just this year's thugs um, who happen to be putting a, you know, a bit of a run together or is there a bit more to them? What, what do you think of St Martin this season? Have you had a chance to see them much? Yeah, I have. Um, and I watched the 90 minutes against Celtic, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. How many um, times did you watch it? <laughs> well, I watched the goals quite a few times. Um, do you know I, I, I watched the replay though of uh, the, Cel- the the um, the Leipzig goal getting chopped off and the Celtic celebrations and in, in the away end over in Germany only for for Leipzig to then score. But less than sixty seconds later, I watched that on repeat <laughs> a hell of a lot more than the Sibirian goals. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, on- it, it, Joe Hart does look like he may be the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Aye, definitely. I think, do you know, see, see on the St Mirren, on, on the Celtic game, I, I know we digress slightly, I'll go on to St Mirren in a second, 
I think when St Mirren beat Celtic, that proved to the rest of Scottish football that Celtic are not invincible. They can be beaten in Scottish football. And I think I think it's given us a lift as well. Yeah. It was a, a, a perfectly timed lift to get into the international break. And I think you're seeing that that bounce back now after um, a pretty dire end to the international break. Dundee United was a tough slog at Ibrox. Um, but I'm the same as you. I thought Hearts were much better. But, but on to St Mirren. Um, what have I seen of St Mirren? Um, Stephen Robinson's a manager, so they're always going to be a well set up team. Um, they're a big team, they're a physical team. Um, but I think against Celtic, they, they put in the work, and I think that's why they they, um, they, they, they put Celtic under pressure. They, they, they worked hard, they worked for each other. Um, and I tell you what, Curtis Main actually had a very good, very good game up front, so they, they, they took their chances. Um, I like your stats. I'm, I'm going to give you a different stat about St Mirren, though, and I'm going to, I'm going to try and reassure some listeners just now around. Um, some confidence I have um, going to Ibrooks tomorrow. Um, you, you mentioned their form. Um, St Mirren have actually got three defeats this season in a league. That's pretty impressive. Um, the common factor behind all three defeats was all three of them were away from home. So I actually yeah. think that um, St Mirren are a, a better team at home. Um, and I think it would be a different game, St Mirren coming to Ibrooks than it would be if we were going to St Mirren Park. Um, coincidentally, I think the only team that's actually beat St Mirren um, no, what was I going to say? The only team that St Mirren have beat away from home was St Johnston. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I've lost. I think they beat St Johnston quite recently, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that's that's coincidentally who Celtic are going to play tomorrow tomorrow afternoon. Um, so hopefully St Johnston are a bit better when they when they play against against Celtic. But um, yeah, I, I think I think coming to Ibrox is a game changer. I spoke I spoke about it already when when Liverpool come to town. Um, I was accused of of taking drugs before the show by by one listener. Um, but I, 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 I genuinely, yes, um, yeah, because no, to I be fair I'm, to that listener, Dougie, Dougie was figured out he was doing the show with me tonight. Of course, he took drugs. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> he, if that's all he took before coming on this show. You know, John, I don't know if you're watching the, the comments, but one 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 listener has said it's a very well hosted show today. He's got a different feel about it. And he says that John's doing a brilliant job. And I, was, I, that, I was that Collins? Ones. Was that Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. McCallum that wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was Mrs. Armstrong. Thank you. <laughs> but. Uh, don't read the comments. Don't worry. I, 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 I don't just upset you. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm. I'm I, I am reading. St Johnston did beat St Mirren. You're right. That's where my train of thought was getting lost. Because St Johnston were one of the teams that did beat St Mirren. They won three 0 So hopefully that's a good omen, and they go and beat Celtic tomorrow. Who I tell you what, for Celtic, they, they, they'll um, they'll find it t- tough adjusting to playing European football than domestic football, especially considering no matter what, Callum McGregor was going to be missing for tomorrow. Um, originally through suspension, now through injury. Um, these these two games a week soon take their toll. And I think that's a huge factor of why um, St Mirren got points off Celtic. Um, and for that reason, I, d- I don't know what team to expect when, when we go to Ibrox tomorrow. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to, to going back to Ibrox tomorrow um, because it's been a while um, because of the international break. I'm looking forward to going back and seeing some football and, and escaping a, a chicken pox uh, ridden house. Um, but I don't sure know the people you... who sit beside you at Ibrox will be delighted to see you there. That's my dad. That's my dad. So he, he's, he's on childcare duty next week anyway, so he's fine. Um, but I'm looking forward to being back and, and I don't know what team to expect. For me, I think I think the, the league is our bread and butter. I keep going on about it, despite um, Alex Anderson saying that... Uh, he likes steak and chips. He, he wants it all. Um, I loved his um, preview pod before before Liverpool. 
Alex's passion for, for Rangers and, and particularly football in general um, was superb. Um, his discussion about going to Anfield and, and, and playing in front of the cop was brilliant. Um, I think we only had one shot in front of the cop as well and it was a bit of a sclaff. So it's a shame that Rangers didn't romanticise that moment for him. But uh, for, for me, with it being a bread and butter, I don't actually expect a too dissimilar start in the living um, to what we, what we played um, against Hearts. Um, as I said, I expected to go back to four at the back. I expected to take the game to St Mirren. Um, I think I think we'll show respect to St Mirren because they are sitting third third place. But I do think it'll be a very different game to um, to to midweek against Liverpool. And I think I think with St Mirren coming to Ibrox, I think that's a game changer as well. Yeah. So so there's a couple of big decisions for him to make. Um, I think we've already covered that. We think McGregor will start. Uh, and goals and and you've already mentioned that you think that Davies or Sands will come in to partner Goldson. I actually think King's going to keep his place, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, up front, well, we touched upon it, um, and and you, uh, I think you explained it very well. Again, for me, I think Morelos is the better all-round forward. I think he is still the best forward player at the club. Um, uh, he's clearly fit again, although maybe missing some match sharpness. Um, he uh, he obviously scored last weekend when he came on, and I think his his all round game is better than strong and stronger. But how do you drop? How do you drop Kovac just now? You know he scored two last weekend. You know he's been in great form since he came in. You know he is a guy now that's proven that he can score in the SPFL, which, as you said, is our bread and butter. These are the games we have to win. Um, you know he's shown Dutchwood a good temperament for the league here. Um, he, he seems to be building an understanding with um, the, the players around him. They now seem to be finding him. Um, they understand the runs he's going to make. Um, you know, who, how do you, and, and it's interesting, and I don't know if you've had a chance to, to see any of the manager's press conference today, um, but he was asked the question, can they play together? And Van Bronckhorst is, um, Van, Bronckhorst, Van Bronckhorst is usually quite calm, usually quite measured in his answers. He tends not to give a great deal away um, and I thought he gave a, a very political answer when he said, yes, of course they can if the circumstances are right. Um, are the circumstances right against St Mirren? Do you see them both playing or do you think he'll pick one and which one, if that is the case? I think it's a very coy answer from Gio. I think my interpretation of Gio's comments is they won't start together in any games. Yeah. It's more if you're 2-0 down against St Mirren, as Celtic were, for instance, you would you would throw on Morelos and Cholak together to, to put pressure on and try and get goals. That's my interpretation of it. I don't think they'll start together. Um, I agree with you. I think Morelos is a better all-round striker. But I think Cholak holds the jersey right now. I'm, I'm with you. I think um, he's performed so well that he's earned the right to hold that jersey. And um, how does Morelos get back in? The only way Morelos can get back in is by earning the jersey. He needs to he needs to take the chances when he's back in the squad. Um, tomorrow's a very different game to Liverpool at Anfield. Um, tomorrow's a game where we should dominate possession, we should create chances, and therefore for me, it is a no-brainer. Cholak should start tomorrow, and I fully expect that he'll continue to to to, to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, I think Cholak will start as well. Actually, um, another guy who I thought did quite well against Hearts uh, was was Matondo. Um, I thought he had a pretty decent game against Hearts. I've not been a fan of his um, uh, so far this season. I, I just look at him and I think 
I just worry that um, he's one of these boys who has all the ability in the world, um, loads of pace, but just somehow or other can't put that into playing as a professional football player. Um, and I may be doing a you know, you've seen these kind of guys before. I mean, to be yeah. fair, you know, we've had three or four of them over the last kind of five or six years, usually on loan from somebody. Um, you know, the lad we had last year for Man United, his name's gone completely out of my head. Um, yeah, well. Uh, nah, yeah, you know, he was kind of, you know, he was a similar kind of player because you could, you could see there's skill, there's speed, there's all sorts of stuff in there, but it just, he just didn't seem to be able to turn that into something that actually made a difference on the pitch often enough. And I was a little concerned um, when I saw the first few times I saw Matondo there was going to be something similar. Um, you know, he maybe flatters to deceive a little bit. However, he came into the Hearts, he came into the game against uh, Hearts, which surprised me. I didn't expect him to start. Um, and I thought he did pretty well. Um, I also thought that when he came on against Liverpool, and, and I caveat this, it's a big caveat. You know, he came on with 15 minutes to go or so. You know, yep. he's fresh legs. You know, we're already 2-0 down. You know, he's got carte blanche to run at them. You know, they're, they're maybe, you know, tiring a little bit. But even with that, I actually thought he did okay when he came on. I thought the substitutes, when they came on, they actually did liven us up a wee bit. And, you know, the last 10, 15 minutes, I thought, well, you know, we had a go at least. Um, has he done enough? To, to keep his place in the team? Do you think he can start? Do you think he's done enough to, to want another start against them? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I'm a bit like you. I, 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 I'm one of these fans that tends to judge a player too quickly. And when Matondo oh, yeah. first came that's, through... That's just part of being a Rangers supporter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, my preferences and players can switch from pass to pass <laughs> while it's in the game. <laughs> um, absolutely. That's, there's, don't apologise for that. Yeah, well, I, I, I wrote Matondo off. I, I genuinely thought there's, 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 there's not a player in there. I thought um, he's got the pace, but I, I didn't see much else from his game. I, I, couldn't, see, I couldn't see why he would sign them um, until Hearts, I think. Um, what's interesting is John Bennett, our vice chairman, came out um, and, and asked the supporters to judge players at the end of the season. It's unfair to judge players like Matondo, who's came from a, a foreign league. I know he's Welsh, but he's, he's never played in Scotland. He, he came from Germany, but he'd been playing in Belgium on loan. He's still a young lad. I think he's only 21. Yeah, absolutely. Um, young. And an so, experienced player as well. Yeah, yes. And, and, and John Bennett basically said, judge these guys at the end of the season, not after a couple of weeks. And I'll be honest, I kind of scoffed at that and thought, nah, I can tell already Matondo's not good enough to be a Rangers player. Um, but that Hearts game gave me hope. I thought, during the Hearts game, I thought there's enough signs there to show there's a player in Matondo. Um, he set up he set up one of the goals well. It was a good through ball, I'm sure, to, to Cholak for the second, was it the second one. It was a good through ball. I think he played better in the first half. Um, but Liverpool, I think he came on and he actually played better than Kent. When he came on at Anfield, um, he was dying. I, think I could have come on and played better than Kent, but anyway, we'll, yeah, not, uh, we'll not dwell on that. Yes, um, but I, I think he came on. He was direct. He was he was confident, um, and he had a very good chance. He nearly scored. Um, he was unlucky actually not to get a goal, which would have been nice to get at least one goal in the Champions League this season. Um, yeah. but it's interesting that the whole debate for me just now about Matondo is whether he plays in the left or he plays in the right. Um, he played in the right against Hearts. He played in the left against um, Liverpool. He probably looks a bit more comfortable cutting in from the left. But in answer to your question, I think he's done enough to start. What's interesting for me is what side he will play um, against St Mirren. As I touched on already, I don't think the starting eleven will be too dissimilar. And therefore, I think Kent will play in the left. I think Matondo will play in the right. Um, 
I'll be honest, I mean, I'm looking at the comments just now and I can see there's a lot of people saying that Kent doesn't deserve to start. Sakala needs, um, uh, you know, has earned the opportunity to start. Um, I think us supporters have got, um, we're a fickle bunch, Rangers fans. We, we, we've got short memories. I think Ryan Kent's a very good footballer. He's, he's been excellent for Rangers. Um, he's had some huge moments for us. Yeah, I actually think he... He's, he's started to look a wee bit more himself post-international break. He obviously got the assist for Cholak against Hearts. He got his, um, his right. goal as well. Um, I think he he showed signs against Liverpool of his confidence coming back. He wasn't always cutting it back and passing back. I think the, the issue against Liverpool is there was nobody else up with him. So he had nothing else on, which is which has been my defence of Kent this season a few times. Um, but he needs to do more. Um, for others to, 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 to defend them as well. Um, but I think he'll start because I think Kent's a player that we need to get back to the, the Ryan Kent that we know is in there. We need to get the the, the top left winger that we have at the club back backfiring again um, and performing. And therefore, I would start Kent. But you know what? It's, it's good that we are now considering um, Matondo and Sakala because for a long time, I was, I was thinking, are we going to have to be playing Scott Wright at right wing or Arfield at right wing? because neither of Matondo um, and Sakala were contributing. So it's good that we've got those options again. Um, you know, it's a squad game. We're going to rely on the squad a lot throughout the season. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're going to rely on the squad during games. You know, if we go to submit, you know, submit and come to Ibrox tomorrow and, and it's not going our way, it's, it's good to know that we've got the options on the bench as well. And I think, um, I think, I think there's a place in the squad right now for Sakala. And I think he's got a, a, a big say in, in matters between now and the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Okay, I'm going to wrap us up very quickly. Um, we touched upon them earlier. Celtic play at lunchtime. Does that make a difference psychologically to to the players or even to the support? You know, if the support, you know, we all roll into Ibrox tomorrow. We'll know what the Celtic score is. We'll know whether they've dropped points or whether that you know they've they've stretched the lead again. Um, does it make a difference? Do you think playing before? Do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage? I think it makes a difference if they drop points. I think if Celtic drop points tomorrow, then it gives everyone in the ground a lift. Yeah. You know, the atmosphere will be electric. The players should be bang up for it. But I think if they go about their business and they get three points, I don't think it makes much of a difference at this stage of the season. I think it's the old cliche. We just need to focus on ourselves, get the three points and keep it going. But I, I was on um, with yourself after Celtic, after the Celtic game when we got beat. And I said at that point, there's a long way to go in the season. There's a lot of points to be won and lost. And um, I, I tell you what, you know, I, I don't like to see professionals pick up an injury. Um, and I wish, you know, a lot of people might disagree with me here. I wish Callum McGregor a full recovery, a speedy full recovery from what appears to be an ACL injury, the same as Yanis Hadji. So it's, it's looking a serious one. Right. Um, but while Celtic are without Callum McGregor, their captain and, and a really influential player, I think that, that weakened Celtic, there's absolutely no question that that weakened Celtic um, you've got the likes of the Joe Hart blunder midweek as well. That that will be that'll be in his head. You know, the confidence of Joe Hart will go down. Um they had to rotate players against St. Mirren previously because they had the midweek game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic drop points again before we play them next um, in the New Year's game. So it's just up to us to keep focused, keep winning our games, keep the pressure on Celtic regardless of their results. And I think if we can if we can win all, all our games. I keep saying the Ibrox factor. Get get Celtic to Ibrox in the New Year's game, and you know if if, if it's still, I think it's two points in it just now um, in the league at the moment. If it's still two yeah. points in it, 
come come New Year, I'm confident that we'll be top of the league. And on that note, thanks, Dougie. Okay, um, I'll draw us to a close there. Uh, Frankie Gavis said, George, see if you can do 35 to 40 minutes. I think we've just done nearly the hour. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up at that. Um, so just to remind you, obviously, if you've been listening live, um, then uh, you, know, you, you know where we are. But um, if you want to let other people know or if you're looking to tune into future shows, uh, the pod is available on iTunes, on YouTube, on Podcast Addict, Spotify, um, and, and all good places where you find podcasts and probably a few bad ones as well. Um, who's on during the week? Uh, who's on, on on Sunday night? I believe it is Colin and uh, David Fraser. Uh, so a couple of um, couple of old hands there bringing you tales from the 70s and you know, explain to everybody how we'll survive when there's power stations closing and things like that. And uh, Patrick Caskey is coming on as well, so um, someone will bring a bit of intellectual, uh, intellectual charm to that show. Um, talking of intellectual charm, Dougie, thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, appreciate you, you putting in the effort and, and coming on and, and making this go as well as it did. Um, and uh, lastly, from me, it's really just to, to remind you to, uh, you know, we're not just a podcast. Jersnet has a web website um, with lots of different information on there, and, and it does have popular forums um, where you can come on and, and, and talk to people with, with like-minded views and some people who have entirely different views. Um, I think that all remains for me tonight is to say thanks very much if you've been listening and if you're listening to this on Catch Up, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully we'll have a good result tomorrow and um, the guys will have something pleasant to talk about through the week. Thank you and good night.